Hello friends, welcome back to the AirPod. My, my, my. Another week has gone by and so much to talk about. Uh, we have just come off the back of Harry and Meghan's incredible new documentary, An African Journey, just aired on ABC. The whole world is talking about it. I'm going to be diving into that, doing a little bit of analysis uh, later on in the show. After the documentary aired here in the UK, Meghan made her first public appearance, uh, a solo appearance at the opening ceremony of the One Young World Conference here in London. Uh, and then I'll be joined with Maggie Rooley, a wonderful ABC News foreign correspondent who is now back from Pakistan. I think the last time we spoke with her, she was uh, being pulled out of a motorcade onto the plane with Prince William and Kate. Uh, and then I'll be talking with Tessie Ojo from the Diana Award about keeping Diana's legacy alive and their incredible efforts uh, when it comes to anti-bullying. Maggie, welcome back. Always good to be here with you, Amir. <laughs> the last time you and I spoke on this show, you were in a motorcade with the Duke and <laughs> Duchess of Cambridge being was shouted at to get onto the Voyager plane. And I was like, but the AirPod needs me. <laughs> it was a little dramatic, but we did make it back here to London all safe and sound. <laughs> I want to get all the way into the Pakistan tour. But before we get there, um, Harry and Meghan, an African journey mm-hmm. aired on ABC this week. It, the whole world has been talking about it. We've watched it. I've watched it twice now. Yeah, we've watched it a lot. <laughs> I've definitely seen a few clips mm-hmm. more than once. What a reaction. What a mixed reaction. Yeah. I'm curious. You've seen it so many times. Did you notice anything or feel things differently the second time you saw well, you it? Know, it's funny because I had so much enjoyment from watching mm. it the first time because it was almost like a recap of a tour that I was on. Yeah, and true. you remember certain engagements and parts of the trip that went by in the blink of an eye to you because you're all in my case sitting in the corner filing copy (laughs) or something so it was just nice to have yeah to actually see the tour in sort of a nice nicely produced package but it was a real mix because of course we had that focus on all the charity work and that's what the documentary was originally going to be about but of course it was an opportunity for Harry and Meghan uh, in the midst of, uh, you know, new legal cases being launched uh, to actually speak about what they've been dealing with for the last year or more. It, it was interesting. I agree. You know, we were both there. We, were, we saw the charities they were working with, and that was such an important aspect of the documentary. But then to see uh, this other storyline play out, and Tom probably made a very specific point to say there's kind of two stories at play here, right? The one of just the tour and that second one, like we're saying, that was sort of their emotions and what they were going through on this tour. And I think by the end of the tour, obviously we had seen a little bit of that play out. I mean, there was that huge bombshell statement. So uh, we kind of knew something was up by the end of the tour, but to see the documentary uh, go backwards almost and show us that those emotions have been playing out all tour. Yeah. That was pretty impactful to see. Yeah. It almost was like a crescendo. Mm -hmm. You could see it building up. And I had a conversation with one of the couple's friends earlier today, actually, who said that they're so glad that the couple were able to speak up because this is stuff that they've known about for a really long time, but the couple have never had the opportunity or the platform to really talk about this stuff. And so for everyone around them, they're relieved that it's now out in the open. They're hoping that it's a new corner for them that hopefully with a little bit of time out that we can sort of enter a different chapter with them. It'll be interesting to see, and I know 
there was some criticism that was this the right time to be talking about uh, these sorts of issues, right, while they were uh, promoting these charities in Africa. But you also make a good point when we talked to some of their friends, as you did, and it's sort of, this has been building for so long. It's kind of like there were no other points. This was the point all of a sudden there was this personal documentary, and it would have been also inauthentic to not bring up those emotions no matter when they were happening. So uh, you can see it was just such a complicated time complicated issues that were playing out it's difficult for them because i would imagine in so many respects they want to keep every element of their private life away from the public eye but when you live and serve the public Mm. in such a way that they do as working members of the royal family it's impossible to have such a distinct line there does have to be that sort of personal element in there as well. I mean, we have seen Prince William and Duchess Kate in the past speak about some of the struggles that they faced uh, dealing with public criticism and just the pressures that come with the job. So in some ways, this isn't new to hear the couple speak so candidly or any members of the royal family speak so candidly. But I think with Harry and Meghan, it was the first time. So it came as a shock. And it was very interesting. We had I'd seen a preview of the documentary before it went out, but watched it again live mm. so I could read Twitter at the same time. What were the reactions? It was interesting to see how mixed it was. Mm. It goes without saying, but in the US, it is mostly supportive and positive for the couple. In the UK, very much 50-50. And I think in a way, the people who supported and have been ride or die for Harry and Meghan since day one feel more confident than ever in the couple and really have their backs but for the people who said that what they represent or the way they're trying to modernize the monarchy doesn't fit in with their ideal view of Britain's most traditional and uh, oldest establishment I think their views haven't changed either so the documentary reinforced views for both sides, but I don't think it won them or lost them any fans. On Good Morning America, Tom Bradby spoke about working with the couple and uh, said that to him, he went into this documentary knowing that there was more to be told. Uh, in his words, he said things weren't so rosy behind the scenes. I just want to hear a little clip from that. Um, I suppose I just told the story that was in front of me, really. Um, Anything like this is always storytelling, as you know. And I went, you know, intending to make a documentary that was always going to be about their work in Africa uh, and then a little bit about where they are at at, in life. Um, And I knew that everything wasn't entirely rosy behind the scenes, that's true. But all the same, I sort of had intended to turn up probably doing a more conventional journalistic job. Maybe uh, I told them beforehand I was going to have to put some pretty pointed questions. But I think the reality I found was just a couple that just seemed a bit bruised and vulnerable. I think with mental health and all the rest of it, you have to be very careful what words you use. But that was the story I found, and it seemed the right journalistic thing to do to try and tell that story as empathetically as I could, and you know as well as I do as a journalist, there are different moments, and that just felt like the approach I should take on this occasion. Now, now the documentary's out there, there's been a lot of talk about what's next for Harry and Meghan, and, you know, we've heard, we've had it confirmed from, from the palace that later in November, the couple wants to take a little bit of time out, uh, really just to sort of recharge, uh, re-energise, and spend some time with family and as a family, uh, possibly right up until Christmas. Again, it's something the couple have been criticised for. Uh, you notice the coverage here. What are, Coming from the US, Megan referred to 
the British tabloid culture and how unique it was and how she didn't really know much about it until she came here. I do think it's something you can't understand unless you've grown up here and grown up in it. Even for myself, uh, seeing the way that different actions are interpreted. Uh, for instance, you know, even the, the documentary, I think that in general, the reaction that I've been seeing from Americans and you know my fellow newscasters that are in, in, in on air in America, everyone's first reaction is, "Wow, this couple is so vulnerable right now. They're being really honest. They're talking about things that are so important." I've uh, had a lot of moms share with me how they love that Megan's being honest about being a mom, saying guess what? I need some time off. Guess what? It's been really hard. I'm a mom. Like, thank you for asking. I'm okay. Because most people forget to ask about the moms and that's being applauded by so many moms that I know stateside. They are just thinking it is amazing that uh, someone with her platform is sort of standing up and being honest like that. I would say for the most part, a lot of people in the UK have had somewhat of a different reaction. Uh, Maybe because, in part, you know, they are public figures here. They are figures that represent people living in the UK. UK tax dollars pay for a lot of what they do. And so there's a different standard. And I would say a lot of people in the UK that I've worked with have started to come out and say, well, maybe if this isn't the right place or the right time to be mm. uh, talking about these sorts of issues. Uh, when you're in the capacity of a royal, it's a workplace. It's a working mode. It's not a time to be talking about your personal life. So... Uh, that right there has been a huge contrast. And again, not it's not a blanket issue. There are plenty of Americans and um, people in the UK that feel one way or another. But in general, that's sort of the reaction. And I think it plays into this upcoming trip as well. Uh, I think some people in the UK, perhaps more than others, view it as... Why do they need a break? Their mm. life's pretty cushy, right? Like, why this big break versus in America? A lot of the reaction I hear has been good for them for prioritizing their family. They have a young son at home. This is really important for them uh, to be embracing each other during this tough time. Yeah, so it was really it was interesting to hear so much criticism about them wanting to take mm. a minute out of this chaos and madness that yeah. we, I think we all exist in, being part of the royal bubble. You know, we we haven't seen them actually take more than a week or so <laughs> off work since they got married. Mm. It has been constant work, particularly since Archie was born. Although Meghan was technically on maternity leave, she worked pretty much right mm. through it. Royal family members traditionally take off August. It's a time when they go on vacation or spend time with families. We saw Harry launch a Travelist initiative. We saw Meghan mm. do the Forces for Change cover of the September issue of Vogue. The work for them, and then launched the Smart Set collection uh, with the SmartWorks organization. So the work for them has continued when the Cambridges took off time in April, as they often do with the kids to spend the school holidays. That's the time, again, that the uh, Sussexes work through. So I think for them, this is really the first chance mm. they've had to take some time away. And I think it's fair to say that it's much needed uh, and probably for the people working around them as well, because yeah, it's not true. just two people running around mm. in the middle of all of this. There's a team that comes with that too. Those are such good points to remember. I think people can lose sight of all of the work that's been happening just because life keeps moving, right? Yeah. It's a natural thing, but you forget all of the work that they put in and 
they have a six-month-old at home. It's not like uh, they're not working once the workday's over, right? They have a very busy family life right now as well. So some time off around the holidays. Exactly. Well, especially with Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, as an American, I'm like, doesn't everyone take Thanksgiving (laughs) off? What's the big deal? (laughs) Having always worked with US uh, media organizations, Mm -hmm. in the UK, I've noticed that always disappointed colleagues who try and find some sort of Thanksgiving celebration (laughs) in London. There really isn't much. I'm accepting invites if anyone's listening. (laughs) So I can understand again why they would want to go away. And I remember hearing from one of their friends very early on, before Archie was even born, about how important it was for Mm -hmm. Megan to have for their child to experience US traditions as well. So obviously growing up in the UK, they'll be surrounded by British culture, but that US influence isn't naturally there. So to involve them for Archie to have his first Thanksgiving celebration, all the rest of it, you know, these are special moments that for them as a family, regardless of the work that they do, are incredibly important. I don't know why I just for the first time envisioned Archie around a Thanksgiving table and now it's the <laughs> cutest thing that I've ever thought of. Like, is he going to have, you know, mashed potatoes and a turkey leg? Come on, this is a story I'm really excited about. I see him in like a pumpkin hat. Yes, a little pumpkin hat, like one of those pilgrim bibs. If you guys need one, we'll send you one. <laughs> now you've obviously come back from Pakistan have you caught your breath yet because I think you run from one thing to the other (laughs) it's true still catching still catching it was such an amazing trip I mean to have two epic royal trips like this back to back both uh, houses I think did such an excellent job planning these trips they both focused on big issues right going to Pakistan that's a it's a serious endeavor we talked a lot uh, leading up to this trip just about the security concerns and how it was they were calling it the most complex trip uh, the couple had ever been on right this was a huge deal and so to that undertaking was pretty massive but it was exceptional. I mean, just the events that they planned, the issues they raised awareness for, really talking a lot about uh, women's education, which is obviously a, a huge issue and huge deal in Pakistan, a big champion of that. Talking about conservation and climate change, I think in kind of a surprising place, people might not realize there are these epic glaciers in Pakistan, right? So raising awareness yeah. about things that people might not know about. Also addressing some of those security concerns that are still obviously an issue in the country, while also promoting relations between the UK and Pakistan it was busy. It was really only a four-day trip, too, so it was a lot in those Packed few days. in so much. And I had a conversation with one of their aides mm. afterwards, and I said, actually, it worked so well yeah. having it in this focused period of time, because sometimes royal tours are relentless. You know, we look back to the oceanic trip last year <laughs> with the Sussexes. We were away for almost three weeks, and they packed in a lot. But there's, of course, then highs and lows in terms of coverage, whereas the Pakistan trip, it consistently hit the, yeah. the papers and the breakfast shows in the UK and the US every day. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah, definitely. And there was a lot of content there, too. There was all sort of the heavy issues that we just talked about, but also, I mean, fun, beautiful things. I think we can all agree that uh, the couple knocked it out of the park with their fashion. Kate's dresses were just absolutely gorgeous and uh, both her and William really paid tribute to local Pakistani culture they wore traditional dress which was sort of applauded locally on the ground as well so that whole diplomatic fashion angle was really well thought out uh, as well as just being gorgeous I mean the colors there such a beautiful backdrop it made for some really excellent coverage and they had some fun when actually my favorite moments omit was uh, when they came to play cricket as a couple and you know so often you see them as sort of the future king and his wife and that's 
a, a huge regal, very important title, but it can be kind of, you know, a heavy head that wears the crown, right? And yeah. so there's that at play. And so to watch the two of them on the cricket pitch together playing around was just so joyous. They kind of both took turns at bat and then the other one was fielding and it was just so playful. They did it with kids and kind of another nod to this UK-Pakistani relationship, which was really nice. It's there's often my favorite part of going on royal yeah. trips is seeing how the couples interact when they're walking away from the cameras mm, or before they mm-hmm. step into the room and you get those little snapshots into yeah. their private world it was really interesting for me because this is the first tour uh, for the cambridges or the sussexes that i hadn't been on i went to oh. on william and kate's first trip to canada in 2013 mm. and i've been on every trip since so watching it from over here in the uk you're really able to see how much the work they're doing there permeates over here oh, and, so and people were really talking about it yeah. i think the uk pakistan relationship is so important there are 1.5 million mm. pakistanis in the uk as one of the palisades put it mm. uh, during the briefing for the trip what goes on in pakistan affects the streets here in the uk mm. and i think they did a really good job of sort of balancing the fun the culture but also highlighting the, the more serious issues what were the big things that stood out back here at home in the uk from the trip well i think for me that balance of modernity and tradition huh. on royal trips because we didn't see the couple cutting ribbons or doing the kind of thing that we sometimes see on royal trips or we have seen with them in the past this was them a lot more comfortable laid back more approachable in a way that I think that we haven't seen them on a trip mm. before. We've seen that confidence in Kate grow over the last mm-hmm. few years. And I think seeing her step outside and talk about the things that were most important yeah. to her. We had, there was a lovely moment at the end of the trip when she revisited one of the, one of the schools that they had been to during the trip yeah it was really special at the end of the trip I think Uh, part of it was planned part of it was unplanned we knew she was going to be making a speech and I remember saying that day in in our broadcast for GMA and it was kind of like all trip we've been talking about what she's wearing and who she's talking to but today all of a sudden it was like she owned the day it wasn't about what she was doing it was about the things she was saying and the energy that she was bringing it was really a day about her uh, she talked about women she talked about children which has obviously been such a huge topic for her uh, for many years now for young young children education and childhood development and what was special we talked about it last week but the kind of airplane weather snafu uh, derailed some of their their plans and they unfortunately had to cancel some of their engagements so instead when we all got stuck in Lahore they actually went back to a hospital they had visited the day before and it was sort of Kate's idea she said um, both her and William were saying how it was so impactful their visit there the day before and as you know with engagements they can sometimes be rushed along and uh, they felt like they wanted more time there to visit with the children to meet people and you know it was a very genuine moment they really uh, you could feel from them on the ground that this was just, they were kind of doing it for them. They really uh, had an amazing experience with these children. They were moved by these children. And when they were given the opportunity to see them again, they jumped on it. They mm. kind of slept in. You know, they, it had been a long <laughs> trip. Instead, they wanted to go back and once again meet with these children. And it, it really sent a clear message about what's important to them and the priorities that they have. I think the bar for Royal Tours with the Sussexes and the Cambridges is now really high. <laughs> I'm very excited to know what one's coming next. Me too. After the break, I'm going to be talking with Tessie Ojo, who's the CEO of the Diana Award. We're going to be talking about anti-bullying and some of the things that Harry and Megan have had to put up with for the last year and how that ties in with the work that they're doing. So Tessie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I sort of 
sold you before we we started this uh, chat, but uh, I wanted to just sort of hear a bit about your story and your involvement with the Diana Award. You're obviously CEO there. You've really seen the charity grow in a massive way over the years, really since you came in, I think, was it in 2012? Yeah, it's, I mean, any opportunity to chat about the Diana Award is always a great thing. So thank you so much for this opportunity and just to tell you about the work that we do. Um, yeah, so the Diana Award is a charity legacy to Princess Diana and it's really founded around her belief that young people have the power to create change, but with the right support. So our work really revolves around helping create change for young people, helping give young people the tools uh, and the skills to tackle some of the pressures they feel today, but also helping them into adulthood. The charity started out as an initiative awarding young people, but I think really since you came on, it's really evolved into quite an active organisation involved in a lot of initiatives for young people as well. Absolutely. So that's a good, that's actually a good way to start because obviously our name says the Diana Award, which kind of goes back to when we were originally set up 20 years ago, which was really around celebrating and recognising those young people who continue kind of in the steps of Princess Diana, those young people who demonstrate this, the values that she had, you know, the values of empathy, service and and commitment to others and so we that's what we did for the first few years really around recognizing and shining a spotlight on young people that today we refer to as change makers who are making fundamental changes in their communities and and uh, the rest of us and a few years later we we realized we were growing an alumni of young people who a were not expecting to get an award but once they got it they wanted us to help them do more and that kind of gave birth to the additional services that we that we run, where we recognise that well, there's some great there's some young people who have incredible leadership op- um, opportunities or leadership abilities, um, and how can we nurture and support them to do more? But innately, every young person desires to do good, and how can we harness that and help and help? deal with perhaps the pressure that they're feeling that it might be pressures at school around anxiety, bullying, or even stuff to do with poverty, low achievements. And so we, 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 we created programs that really helps tackle those issues. Obviously, we've seen William in Pakistan, Harry in Southern Africa, both of them almost sort of retracing the footsteps of their mother. How, have you, how, how do you feel about the work that they're doing in her name? Do you know, I I completely honor them for what they're doing because I think that they it's obvious how much they hold the the legacy that she's that the time this they had with her, it's it's obvious how much she made an impression on them and what values that she's taught them that they even in their as adults, they still want they have things that they're passionate about, but they're completely still committed to continuing her work. And that's so incredible to see. You know, we at the Diana Awards are really privileged to have both their support, you know, Prince William very much involved in our anti-bullying program and really around making sure that every young person has the opportunity to thrive and their future is in some way not destroyed or hindered by the effects of bullying. Um, A few years ago, we had the privilege of joining him in setting up a royal tax force on cyberbullying, where he pulled together the tech industry 
really and the one thing he said to us to everyone around the table was to be ambitious for children and young people and do all we could to protect them from the harmful effects of cyberbullying i've also been privileged to work with prince harry himself who's you know as you just said from his trip from south africa really understands the power that mentoring has on the lives of young people and how mentoring is vital in changing the trajectory um for any young person um we had a summit, a mentoring summit in July, and was great to welcome um, Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, as the keynote speaker. And, you know, it was just a day after his what would have been his mother's birthday, so it was 2nd of July. Mm. And he talked really passionately about two things. Firstly, you know, the role that his mother played in his life as a mentor, um, but also now being a father and how he sees the importance of having positive role models around our children. Uh, the work mm-hmm. that the Diana Award does with cyberbullying and anti-bullying, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. You know, at the Diana Award, for the last um, 11 years, we've been running an anti-bullying campaign that really looks to do three things. One, it prevents bullying from happening because we know how harmful bullying can be on any child, anyone's life. It's, you know, we know that it's a trigger for mental health, for lots of disorders. And so it's incredibly important that we actively tackle this. So we do a lot around preventing preventing and the way we do that is by training young people um, in communities and in their schools to be what we call anti-bullying ambassadors and we do a lot of work around supporting those who are victims of bullying themselves so we have a 24-7 crisis helpline that's around really supporting young people who are experiencing bullying and I've seen one of the themes that often comes up is this talk of not suffering in silence. Young people, children, even adults are encouraged to speak up when experiencing something uh, of, of that nature, whether it's online or, or in real life. We obviously saw Harry and Meghan this week speak up themselves about what they've experienced uh, with the press and with negative crit- criticism, uh, particularly from the mass market tabloids. Um, on the documentary and I found it quite ironic that despite all of the conversation that I think they've been celebrated for when it comes to speaking openly and not suffering in silence the first thing that happened was that they were criticized for speaking out and being too open absolutely I I found that ironic as well and I think I did a couple a few interviews where I literally I, I just I said that you know two years ago when they set up heads together campaign they were massively applauded for really encouraging us to get rid, you know, get away from the whole British um, Steve Hopper and let's talk about these things. You know, we at the Dino World, we encourage young people around never suffer, don't suffer in silence, find someone to speak to. We talk about find um, find, yeah, find a confidence, speak to someone because just speaking about something is it's almost problem half of the problem solved so i i personally found that a bit ironic um and i think you know whatever a person whatever position a person holds i you know everyone deserves the right to to live a happy and free life everyone deserves the right um to to not experience bullying harassment or you know we just need to be a more kind, a kinder society and show a bit more empathy. And I think, if anything, I think for me, the documentary, through the documentary, that's the key thing that they were really talking about is being a kinder society, a society that understands that our words have impact on others. 
Exactly. I, th- I think the Duchess put it best when she spoke about surviving uh, not being an option and that we need to thrive. And uh, I, I think given what we've seen as a result of this documentary, uh, clearly stiff upper lip, suffering in silence is not the option. Absolutely not. And I, and I, and I hope, I hope if anything, you know, there might have been the that reaction this week where it might have been 50-50. Some people didn't didn't really approve of that and some did. I hope that it, you know, it kicks off a conver- this kind of conversation across homes and communities and really reminds us, any opportunity that reminds us that our words have actions. You know, one of the things, Omi, that I've seen even beyond the documentaries across society, you know, polarised, we are so polarised of our various issues, politics, um, everything feels like you have to have a tribe and if you're not in my tribe, then you're an enemy mm. and we're not having conversations that's about understanding that says yes I might not agree with you but I'm cool with that and I think we just need to come back to those basics around let's talk kindly and let's tweet kindly and the fact that you might not approve of someone or like that person does not mean that you you harm them or you you um you cause them harm It's about respecting each other's opinions however different they may be Let's go back to the day of the wedding Talk to me about how it felt to watch such a unique uh, union of two very different people coming together in Britain's most traditional of establishments. How did that feel for you? Do you know, the word I used then, and I'm smiling just thinking about that day, it was the most beautiful day. The word I used at the end of the day was, it it felt like it was heavenly kissed. And I used that because it was in May. The weather prior to that was so awful. Um, But on the day the sun was out, you had thousands of... There was just so much. I wish I could almost capture that day and and sell that day as a day that every British person should experience. It was such a magical day, both physically and, and of course, being... Being in the in the uh, at the cathedral, you know, it was the the love was tangible. You know, the 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 reverend who 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 gave a preach on the day talked about love, and you know, and I wish we would remind ourselves even of that now. And but love is just about giving people time and space and allowing them to be, allowing them to thrive, and it was like I said. I think for me, it was I was as I watched the Duchess coming to the church, I I was reflecting on my own daughter, actually, because in her 20s, and I remembered thinking, I had seen the Duke, um, the both Dukes actually go past, and the, 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 they were radiant, it was the, the joy on their face was so tangible, and you know how much, how ex, so much excitement was in the room, and as I saw her walk in, I thought, oh my God, she's so loved, you could tell how much this couple were in love and for me I had this thing in my I thought oh my god I hope someone loves my child as much as this young lady's loved and that was kind of my own selfish thought for that minute but it was absolutely time the love that you could see between them was just incredible it was absolutely amazing and I everyone willed them to be great to do great things to me she gave a whole, her presence in the family was about bringing a whole different type of visibility to loads of people, to young people, to 
people of, of, of mixed heritage, to people of from a different cultural background. It was all the things, all the things that perhaps in in our dreams we had imagined that could happen possibly one day. Um, mm. You saw it all unfolding in your very presence. <laughs> You're giving me goosebumps here. Um, we have seen them achieve so much in quite a short amount of time. You know, when Megan said she was going to hit the ground running, she wasn't lying. So how has it been for you, you know, coming, thinking back to the day of the wedding to where they're at now, how has it felt for you to watch them have to deal with so much in the public eye? Do you know, I genuinely wish that people would give them time. I, I feel... I feel really, if I, 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 sometimes I think about her mother, because again, on that day, I was thinking about my own child. And I, sometimes I think about what if that was my own child or I, you know, when we think about this, this, we're talking about wedding. I was like two, two years ago, right? Two years ago, this young lady moved countries within two years. She's joined a family that she practically didn't knew very little, had very little training um, for She's she's a newlywed. She is trying to build a home or building a home with someone who, again, that the relationship was fairly young when they 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 got married. Then she's become a mother, and yet she's held this huge role in the public eyes. And sometimes it just feels like let's cut them some slack. You know, some people do all of that over a ten year period. Yeah. Um, Let's just give them a break. And, and that's how I feel. I just feel like most people have time to 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 be a, a wife and to get to know your in-laws. Most people do all of that in private. Most people have time to be pregnant in private or to have a child and take six months off in private. This couple haven't had that that time. I just, and that's to me, I feel like I want to go back to that day in May of 2017 and remind everyone of how we felt and the love and the goodwill we felt towards them. I think it stems back to what we were talking about earlier, which is just the simple act of being kind. Indeed, I completely, yes, absolutely. That's all it is. We've got the Cambridges and the Sussexes both focus on their foundations over the next year ahead. Um, Diana Ward is obviously growing still. The anti-bullying work is still very much growing. I mean, so much has happened this year. Is there a chance we may see some collaborations in the months ahead or in the year ahead? Oh, oh absolutely. One of the things we're, we're really super um, pleased with is that we have both both their Royal Highnesses who are very much involved in our work. So, you know, we're always seeking, you know, this year is our 20th year and we have a fabulous celebration coming up at the end of this year. But, you know, to, to us, we've only just started, you know, coming as we come into next year, we're going to be look, announcing some of our big strategy moves and it'll be really, you know, loads of collab- collaborations and, you know, we can only do more. Do you know what I mean? It's 20, beyond 20 years. It's got to be bigger and better for young people. That's really exciting. Tessie, thank you so much for joining us. Now, before we head off, there is one documentary that aired here in the UK that you may not be talking about, but is just as important. I want to talk about it for a second. 
Prince Charles uh, celebrating his 50th working year as the Duke of Cornwall. A new documentary aired in the UK on ITV, uh, giving a glimpse into the Duchy of Cornwall, which uh, sees him covering more than 103,000 acres of land across 23 counties. Uh, They provide all kinds of produce, uh, food to supermarkets in the UK, It's a really interesting documentary. But what's more important about this is that this will be a business and a side of the job that he'll be handing over to William when he becomes king one day. Now, Charles, in the documentary, talks about being practically reduced to tears after William took an interest in taking over the Duchy of Cornwall. I want to play a preview of that now. I think it's really important, um, Mervyn, about the family angle. I really do. Yeah. I'm starting to think about how I will inherit the Duchy one day and what I do. And you've got children yourself now to pass on to, see, so it's, it's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. I was deeply touched and moved by what he said. It practically reduced me to tears. It did, really. Because... I suddenly thought, well, just hearing that from him has made the last 50 years worthwhile. This is actually something that William has paid particular interest in over the recent years. He spent a lot of time actually with farmers uh, at the Duchy Farms, uh, really getting to know the business. This is a family business. It is how Prince Charles privately funds so much of the work that he and his children do. He, as we know, is the gatekeeper to the purse. Uh, A lot of the money spent on uh, private activities uh, for William and Harry and their partners comes from the money that Prince Charles makes from the Duchy Farms. Uh, William spoke to farmers in the documentary about how vital the work they do uh, is to the estate, but also about how important farm life and being outdoors is to his children. He said that his kids are already playing on tractors and uh, have that deep understanding of nature. I would imagine a lot of that comes from Kate. We saw her unveil four different gardens this year uh, with the Chelsea Flower Show and then with other initiatives afterwards. Now, next week, we've got Prince Harry out at the Invictus Games launch of the Team UK. And we may be hearing something more from Duchess Meghan. Thanks again for all the nice feedback on Twitter. I do read all of your messages. If you want to send in any suggestions to the show, or if you have any burning royal questions, send them to me at SCOBY. Just use the hashtag, the AirPod. I'll look out for that. Until then, thanks again for listening. <laughs>